Welcome back to another episode of the Rankable Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Sussman of iPoll Rank, and I am hyped. Today, I am talking to Adriana Stein. She's the CEO and founder of AS Marketing. Uh, she moved over from the US to the EU, where she does a ton of holistic SEO. One big component of that is international SEO, which as we all know, hreflang, it gets so complicated. Today, what we're talking about is kind of that intersection between SEO and UX. There's a lot of misconceptions out there. There's a lot of, you know, under undervaluing how important UX is, because if your SEO is not working, then like, you know, or UX is not working, then SEO. So anyway, thank you so much for joining me, Adriana. Let's dive in. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Garrett. It's really nice to be here. Thanks so much for hosting me. Oh my gosh. So before we even dive into this, apparently you shared this fun fact, which I think is so neat. You're a big a dinosaur fan? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell me, yeah. how, how, where did that start? Oh, I think that's been really since I was a kid. Uh, I, I've always just been obsessed with like any any sort of dinosaur show where they do like a, a narrator and they recreate the dinosaurs and like the history of dinosaurs. Like I, I just been watch all of it, even as a kid, just, yeah, I love dinosaurs. I'm, I'm with you 100%. I'm going to date myself, but it's like, I will never forget a reading Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton. And then yeah, seeing that yeah. in the movie theater for the first time, you see those dinosaurs, like even yeah. though the technology kind of holds up, but I was just like, holy moly, this is the coolest thing it's ever. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> oh my gosh. So so your agency, you you do a lot of holistic SEO. Um, and so what I'm really interested, this is actually super relevant because a few weeks ago, the Google kind of there's this whole controversy in our industry around demoting this idea of the page experience system and that it's more signal. This idea that your page speed, you know, isn't as big a deal, that it's a tiebreaker. What, in your opinion, are some of the misconceptions about the impact of like UX as a ranking factor in the context of SEO? Yeah, so that's a really good question because it's very relevant with this recent change. So one thing uh, I even learned recently is there's a difference between systems and factors, and that's very important. I had a good discussion uh, on this with someone who corrected me. So shout out to that person who did that because it's it's very easy to confuse them. Even actually, Google has put out some incorrect information on how those things work. So you know that's super helpful for everyone. But in any case. Um, Basically, page experience is is still a ranking factor. It's just the 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 system, like the the things that go into the algorithm that look at it. If I can say it like in a really low level way, have been changed. So they've they've just been updated, and how those things are balanced in terms of how much it contributes as a ranking factor have been changed as well. So to what extent, it's really hard to say because Google keeps all of that under lock and key. But that's that's my understanding of where that is at so far. But in any case, regardless of how this has been changed, UX and SEO are super intertwined. I think they've always been super intertwined because at the end of the day, you have to have really useful, helpful content, easily readable. Uh, and that's the best way, first off, to, to rank, but then also to to get people to keep reading it and coming back to you and you know, trusting your brand and then ideally converting later on because that's the goal with SEO is is to drive your conversion. So I think that they can never be 
two things that are in a silo. If you're doing SEO, then you start with a strategy, you do some content, and then you're basically going directly into developing UX and also CRO. So it's they're kind of the same thing. They go hand in hand, really. And and to that point, so like beyond beyond page speed, there's a lot of other UX factors. For one thing that comes up a lot is like this idea of interstitials. Like when you get these really super annoying pop-ups that kind of lead to a bad experience um, if it's not done effectively and in a helpful yeah. way. Do you think that has any impact on rankings or is that something that's purely a UX factor and Google ultimately doesn't care if it's disruptive? Yeah, I think it's it's not a black and white answer to say yes or no, especially because pop-ups are one of those things that you're probably changing all the time. So the extent that you use them and how often, that will definitely impact that, the quality of them as well. Because sometimes pop-ups can be very personalized and very useful. We've seen this very often on e-commerce sites. If you can, you know, combine one offer with another or say, hey, if you like this thing, you might like another thing. And so then, of course, it's helpful. But if you have, you know, a whole page that's loaded up with pop-ups and you can't get to anything, I always think of recipe sites when I <laughs> when I think it's like too many pop-ups and like too much like just random stuff about like the whole life story of the person and you just want to get to like the correct information, then that's probably not the best UX and that could potentially harm um, how your rankings are. But, you know, in, in any case, like recipes are kind of a weird example because a lot of them do still rank like that, even though they're, yeah, your, their UX is not that great. So yeah, I hate to be like the person who always says it depends on SEO, but <laughs> I was I was gonna give you credit. So like you're just saying like it's not in black and white. I'm like, oh well that's that's a new that's another way to say it depends. Yeah, and it I wouldn't be rephrase it depends, but it's so it's hard not to say it. It wouldn't be an SEO podcast if we didn't mention it. And and there are so many other, you know, examples. You give the recipe one, like news sites, there's so many paywalls. Okay, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna put you on the spot. What's your opinion? Do you because like it's like if you see, you know, some sort of paywall website come up in the top 10 rankings and you click on it and you're like, I can't even read this. Do you do I know you're not you're not a Googler, you're not like working at Google, but do you think those should be ranking factors? Do you think paywall sites should even rank in the top 10 in your opinion? Um, so to my knowledge, that's not a factor because there there is a way for this is where I'm not a technical expert in as a non-news person, but um there's a way basically for Google to still crawl and index things behind paywalls. Mm -hmm. And so because of that then they're looking at the content essentially like it doesn't have a paywall. But then when the user comes in, they are going to see that paywall. Right. So, it, yeah, so so it, it it doesn't really matter, I guess. It, it, in my opinion, I think the news still needs to make money somehow. And it's very difficult for them nowadays. So I fully understand why they need to have paywalls. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I can imagine the compassion because you were actually a journalist come like earlier in your career at one point, right? Yes, yes, I was. <laughs> so there's always that like empathy for like the media because it's it's been that's a hard industry to navigate their it's a business really, models. Really tough industry, really tough. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a bunch of clients, and I'm sure these questions come up of like this relationship between SEO and and UX. 
How do you educate them on the difference between the two and, you know, like how U.S. factors as a ranking signal or lack thereof versus like how U.S. just increases the value of your SEO driven traffic? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the best ways is to really just make sure that you have those sort of KPIs in your reporting and really talk to them all the time about that. So our team, we have um, live reporting with Google Data Studio that pulls in data from a bunch of different sources, depending on the client's tech stack and what we're doing. And that shows a lot of stuff um, in addition to keyword rankings, which is also something that I'm saying over and over. SEO success is not just keyword rankings. It's also your organic traffic, the quality of your organic traffic, conversions you're getting from that, and then engagement. And engagement KPIs are a big part of UX. So if you have you know, a really high bounce rate, but again, like it, it depends. I'm probably going to say this too many times in this <laughs> in this recording today. Um, it, it depends because sometimes, you know, the users got exactly what they need and that's why they've bounced. And so then it's a positive thing. But in any case, you should still be monitoring engagement so you can understand, okay, here's what's actually happening with the content. Here's how people are using it. You know, look at the user journey through your content. Where's the user going? Where are they reading more? Where do they seem to get confused? Hotjar is really useful for this type of um, really in-depth understanding to get an example that's it's a heat mapping tool for anyone who hasn't heard of it, where you can you can just look at like how does a user actually go through the page. This is really a, something I strongly suggest to set up when you're just starting SEO. So you can kind of see like, okay, maybe this section the the user doesn't see the CTA at all. Maybe they they missed it, maybe it's hidden. And so this is a big part of UX as well, is just making sure that your your content is actually easy to understand and go through. Even if you have that ranking and even if the person has clicked on your site, you, you still have the responsibility to serve them because that's how you're going to nurture them towards a, a conversion later on. It's, it's such a good call out on it with Hotjar and the, those types of tools. Like I love, you know, not only the heat map, but also the ability to actually watch a user. Like they'll do like almost a screencast recording of how yeah. the user navigates the page. And, you know, we were just talking before this, like in the context of AI, but like how outside of our bubble, it's really hard to understand how just everyday people interact with our digital marketing yes. efforts. And so being able to, you know, scientifically and methodically, like, look at how people are interacting with it can inform a lot of our decisions, which kind of leads into my next question of, you know, with SEO, we're trying to achieve certain rankings with our, you know, valuable money driving keywords, and it goes to our website. And there's a certain experience there that you want to be seamless. How do, in your opinion, SEO and UX really work together to create that seamless user experience that ultimately drives conversions from your SEO traffic? Yeah, so I think a big part of that is personalization, really, just making things as personalized and especially in the context of international and multilanguage, which my team and I work on a lot, uh, localization. So in this sort of international marketing context, those two things can completely make or break how well you do in a new target market. If you just, you know, copy and paste from what you've done in, in one market onto another, and then you haven't changed anything, maybe you have the same type of messaging, the same type of offers. Um, maybe you haven't even correctly set up the language nuances, things like that. Um, just 
people speak language different languages and you know those don't always translate one to one so that's a really great example because if you try to do the same thing across all of your website regardless of the language if you try to just show the same offers you try to just show the same I don't know, like really boring, buy this kind of thing, like really go overboard on sales, um, then then that's not going to help anyone. So really the most important piece is kind of just providing like a guide, like make it seamless. So make it seamless in terms of like people don't have to run around trying to find, you know, how to contact you, how to get to an, an another, another area of your website also. Um they don't get stuck in big text blocks or something like this. So there's a there's really a lot that goes into it. But when you have when you're tracking your engagement metrics and you use something like Heatjar, you can really understand, okay, here's where some of these issues are stemming from, and then here's how we can improve them. And this is, I think, especially true in e-commerce, where the sales decision or the purchase decision is really, really short. And so you've really, really got to hone in on what's important for this person and what do I need to show them so that they buy for me, essentially, because I've, I've provided them the correct information and that's why they're going to buy. So if you could make some very, very quick changes on colors, formatting, you know, offers, like I mentioned a lot, offers are a big part of it. Um, internal linking, CTAs, all of those things will make a big impact on how well you're able to drive conversions from content that's written for SEO. It, it makes so much sense also like holistically. And, and it really speaks to, especially whether you're talking inter internationalized, you know, content as well as like just even in the U S like I think of if, if for instance, in the U S depending on where you are in the country, the way you say a soda is going to be different. A soda, you know, yeah. personalization isn't always just like saying like your name on the website. It's literally just making a person feel like you're speaking yeah. to them. And a lot of that's audience exactly. research, right? Like how much do you speak to your clients about making sure that they have their audience research and their personas and their segments like down? Really a lot, um, really, really a lot. <laughs> it's it's probably the most important thing uh, aside from product market fit is, is really understanding who your audience is. And you won't understand if your product works for that market without understanding, again, who your audience is. So that's like the first step in doing everything. You have to know who you're talking to, what matters to them, what sort of solution you provide because of the problems they have, the information they need, what kind of gets them to tick, really going deeply into their psychology. So UX is actually a lot of understanding psychology and, and how people work, how people think, and then just trying to make that process from going from an organic SERP to actually going through a website and moving through that and, and buying something. You can think of it really um, like going into a store. You know, we I think sometimes we we like digital marketers, we we forget that experience because we buy so much online nowadays. But especially in, in, in America, it's one of the big things I miss uh, living in Germany um, is, is the customer ex uh, customer service experience you get. You know, you go into a store and there's someone saying like, hey, how can I help you? You know, how can I help you find this thing? And they're going to like bring you to that thing. And it just makes that process a lot easier. And you remember that and you, you like that person, you like that story, you come back. And so essentially that's the same concept that you want to create by combining SEO and UX as well. 
It, it's funny you say that because it's like I find myself more and more and I wonder how pervasive it is. And maybe it's already the case in the U, but like I will go to the store and then because I know I can find so much more information about a product online, I'll research it. And then you find the like the coupon opportunities and the discounts. And it's yes. like, <laughs> it's kind of like why buy, I, I'm sorry, retail, you know, brick and mortar everywhere, <laughs> but it's like, why buy in the store? Is that is that the case in the EU, EU from your like cultural experience? Do people just go online and avoid the retail brick and mortar? I think more and more, yeah. I read a, a statistic recently that one in three packages in Germany is an e-commerce purchase. So mainly Amazon and Zalando, those are the two. People buy next to everything online from that. I think it's still a little bit less maybe here than in the U.S., but I think things will catch up here really soon, uh, especially because we we have a lot of issues with space here. The stores here are, are really small because we just don't have as much land as in the U.S., and, and so you have a lot less choices when you go shopping in person. And when you go online, then you have a lot more choices. You can compare prices a little bit easier, even from different vendors. You get more information than just looking at like, you know, a, a sticker at the store. So I, I think it will it will definitely catch up here soon. And to that point about e-commerce, I mean, content is so critical, like in terms of having all that information. And we're seeing that more and more with these like various review system updates going back to the technical. I'm curious if you can expand. You started to touch on some of those best practices of combining UX and SEO through these like technical methods, you know, like scalable sites or architecture, um, page speed, content optimization, personalization. What are those best practices? Like, how do you kind of go through that with your clients? Yeah, that's a very big question. I think it's something that you could do like a whole, I don't know, semester sure. of, of stuff on just on that topic. Uh, but I guess if I had to nail down maybe a few key things, um, personalization, like I mentioned, is, is really going to be one of the biggest ones. So um, consider within that the intent. Uh, and so is that person coming to this content because they're ready to buy? Is it like a bottom of funnel intent, a purchase type of intent, or are they just looking for, you know, basic information? They're trying to understand how something works. Maybe they're trying to compare something. So they may be headed towards the way that you can buy, uh, but they're not quite ready yet. Or they could be even a step higher, uh, you know, rather at the top of the funnel, they're just starting to get to know the information kind of, um, getting in touch with it, and maybe they don't even know what exactly their issues are yet and, and what they need. They're just kind of diving into it. And so I think that's a big piece of it that you have to you have to really combine what you put on that content in comparison with that. So if someone is you know just trying to understand you know what is something, how does how does something work, then don't just try to go and sell to them straight away. That that's not going to get you very far. <laughs> and then also vice versa, if you do have a transactional or, or kind of purchase intent, then do actually sell to people, like take the time to sell. And that actually is ironically one of the biggest pieces that we are educating our clients about is they they might be doing SEO, but it's super top of funnel focused. So they're they're focused on the the what is questions, um, blog articles that are very kind of high level best practices. They're not really deep diving deep, 
And where we find are the biggest opportunities are actually focusing more on the conversion stuff. So doing SEO for your conversion landing pages, for your, your product pages, your service pages, uh, things like that, where you know you, you have a keyword that directly describes what you're selling, then go and describe what you're selling. <laughs> and, and so well, that, to, that, that lends to personalization. <laughs> I was going to say, and to that point, like it's also also ties back to the knowing your audience. Because as you mentioned with e-commerce, yeah. it's like such, it can be such an instant purchase. So you really need to be able to navigate that, like going from what is something to I want to buy without like selling them until they're ready. So yeah. you're kind of threading a needle there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think maybe if I had to give another really big one, it's it's readability. And there's a lot, really a lot that falls into that category. Uh, but just, you know, what you have on a website should not be a textbook. So all of this <laughs> writing that we learned in in school and in, for me also even in, in college or university, a lot of that doesn't apply at all in marketing. You need to really think about how can you write in short, understandable sentences, use images to break things up, use very clear headings, make whatever CTA you have easy to find, whether that's booking something, buying something, calling someone, you know, don't make that part hidden, make it easy to find. Um, yeah, make things easy to read in terms of text size as well, text color. So don't put things in like white or I don't know. So we see strange things on websites sometimes nowadays. So well, it's like <laughs> really going back to the high chart thing. It's like test, yeah. yeah, like test and see what works and try different things. But that also actually leads into one of my big final questions: is we are seeing like last year at Google I/O, that Google made a lot of moves. Speaking of e-commerce, into very image focused type of search results, especially for e-commerce. And now as we yeah. find out more about these, you know, LLMs, AI chatbots, and ultimately MUM, which is the multi-unified model, modal, which talks about combining text and images and video and audio and ultimately providing a better search experience. Do you believe that as consumers, our UX expectations are changing in the context of, of the changing SERPs? Like when we go and we see all these visuals, are we expecting what you're talking about to be on these product pages, to be on these websites? So I think to answer your question about are the expectations changing, I would say no, because people have always wanted to find things conveniently and simply. And that will probably never change. Just as long as humans exist, we want things Simple, reachable, you know, if you consider our, all of our technological advances, they've always been focused on convenience. So that's, I think, the big piece of it that the, the core, the, the root of it, the foundation of it won't change. I think what will be changing, though, now with AI and, and how maybe search behavior could change is actually finding a little bit simpler way to go through all of the choices. So I, I've talked a lot about analysis paralysis lately which I think is unfortunately going to become worse um, now, now with AI because it just, it's, it's, a, it's a content equalizer. So it allows people to produce way more content in a much shorter amount of time. And that's going to make choosing, okay, what is the best solution for me, the best product for me, even more difficult. And that could then 
drive people to focus a little bit more on talking to a chat when they're doing search because it just reduces the noise kind of you you don't have to go through five bazillion options you may just have three but there's you know there's some some other sites to that as well that okay then you're also maybe are you getting some biased options sometimes or you know do you have less less like ability to really independently choose the right thing for you and are you just going like looking too narrow it's really hard to say how all of that technology is going to develop but i think at the end of the day what will always remain true is is just the the convenience part so people are going to they're going to do whatever is the easiest and convenient to find what they need and and your call out about using the chatbot to you know avoid the analysis paralysis also speaks to what you're saying about personalization. I feel like that's such a differentiator because with those chatbots, you know, sometimes you'll read a piece of content that seems like it's talking to a whole bunch of people but doesn't solve your specific yeah. issue. The chatbot really can get into that granular specificity, the personalization that you're looking for and your job almost as an SEO and content creator is to like have that information there for the chatbots to pull from ultimately, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that's also what, you know, when, when people say SEO is dead, well, <laughs> that you have to remember the chatbots have to get their information from somewhere. And although there are a lot of complaints about misinformation and, and information credibility, for sure, I, I have added to that because it, it it matters a lot. That's a very big discussion within the EU and in Germany in particular when it comes to AI. But I think that because of the amount of outcry against that, they're they're gonna have to make some changes with the product for really society to accept that. And so that's kind of going to kind of add to this, all right, how can we improve the information quality? How can we make the information, you know, as easily understandable as possible? easy to digest, as verified as possible. There was a, I'm forgetting the name of the brand, but they just recently um, updated their product. They have an AI tool and their big um, product update was related to information credibility. So I hope actually things are heading that way because that that's what needs to happen regardless. We can't have a bunch of misinformation going around. Um, but, you know, as, as long as SEOs keep doing what they have been doing properly, which is, you know, providing really helpful content and doing it well, making it easily findable, searchable, readable, then that's what a chatbot is going to pull from and show. And that's all I can say now, really, without knowing fully how the technology will develop. It could change. It could change. But I, I don't think SEO is fully dead. It could be reduced or it could, it could be different. It's hard to say right now. We, we will see. I, I I agree. I love the way you articulate that because I think right now the biggest thing is the education on the limitations. But to your point, you almost have to expect this pro problem to be solved in the near or some not too far future of the factuality of content because we know you know we've seen what happened with social media the people are susceptible for to yeah. misinformation and to just take it at face value going back to our conversation the difference between you know just everyday people and seos and content creators and digital yeah, marketers who are this in this world <laughs> Big piece. Oh my gosh, Adrian. I, this is such a fun conversation. I'm so, I really genuinely appreciate it. You have so many great insights. Are you ready though to dive into some rapid fire rankings? 
All right. Sounds great. It's been a very fun conversation though. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it's so hard not to go tangents all over the place. Our, our industry <laughs> is so fascinating. Okay. We're going to put the music on, put some time on the clock and here we go. So Adriana, rank your top three of something you love. Absolutely anything. Go for it. Yes, so my top three places to visit are Slovenia, South Africa, and Norway. <laughs> Ooh, that, I'm sure there's some stories behind there. Okay, rank your best yes. SEO marketing win. Yes, uh, so lots of those, it was hard to pin it down to one, but I did uh, choose a recent one that I just uh, talked about on LinkedIn, was I got a single content piece to generate, um, I think around 100 or 840 natural backlinks. So no outreach, it was just uh, with a, a statistics type of content piece. So it, 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 if I can add on a little bit, like please stop doing outreach and paying for links. You don't need to. <laughs> oh my God, especially if you're spending any time on LinkedIn. That's incredible. That's awesome. Okay, rank yeah. your <laughs> top three SEO tools. Yes, uh, Google Search Console, SEMrush, and Screaming Frog. Yeah, Screaming Frog comes up like in every single one of these. It's like as yeah, an SEO a and a tactical, one. you have to. <laughs> Rank your best SEO trick or tactic. Uh, keyword localization for multi-language SEO success. So basically what that means is um, finding an equivalent keyword from one language to another, ensuring it matches search intent and has search volume so that you can have SEO driven impact on international markets. Oh my God, that's huge. And that is not easy. You really need some like multilingual folks because you can't just depend yes. on Google Translate for that. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's what AS marketing is made of. So <laughs> I love it. Okay, so this is a fun question, but rank what you love most about SEO. What I love most is the supportive community within it, uh, especially women in tech SEO. If you haven't heard about that, it's a really, really amazing group. I'm sorry for the guys who are not allowed to join <laughs> women only, um, but having a very supportive community has seriously made all the difference. And I, I think I wouldn't still be going where I am if I hadn't been in that community. So all the there. women there, like <laughs> Arija Bwali, what she's been doing with between the conferences and you know the mentor yes. programs, we are, to your point, so jealous, so much FOMO of not being able to participate, but I pull ranks yeah. actually uh, partners with them and adores that community. So great call out. Awesome. And to that point, rank your best learning SEO resource. Yeah, real websites with real data. SEO is not really something that you can read a textbook on and learn, uh, learn super well. I mean, you. this is why we say it depends all the time. SEOs would write a textbook on it depends and just confuse everyone. So. Just go work on an actual website with that context and that data, and that's the best way to learn. <laughs> Says the journalist, makes sense. And okay, the most yes. unfair question, <laughs> rank the top one to three SEOs or marketers that you most look up to, admire, respect. Yes, so um, second shout out to Arisha Ali. She's the founder of Women in Tech SEO. She's a really, really incredible lady, and the impact that she's had especially on women in the SEO and marketing industry, I can I can really say even from my personal experience, how much of a difference that, that has made. And she just did a, a keynote at Brighton SEO and it was so good that it literally brought me to tears. So just so much love for her. She's definitely my, my biggest inspiration. 
That's amazing. Totally agree. I, she, she is so fun, so helpful, so supportive. Um, and finally, rank your number one cause or charity that you want to promote. Uh, yes, so the charity that I uh, added here was Rise Up Together. So this has to do with women's empowerment, um, women's education, and which I think is a really big factor in improving on gender equality and, and pay disparity and just in general, like bringing up the standard of living for a lot of society because everyone should be entitled to good education. When you have an education, then you know how to make decisions for your life, you know, who your relationships are with, uh, where you work, uh, how much you earn. All of that is really, really impacted by the education that you have. So if we can get more women educated, then we will see a lot of good things in the world for sure, no doubt. Awesome. What a great cause. Thank you so much for, for joining me to, today, Adriana. This was such a fun conversation. If you haven't read Adriana's stuff, she, she's written for Wix, for Moz, for Search Engine Journal, so much great content out there. If someone wants to find you on the socials and connect, what's the best way to get in touch? LinkedIn is the best way. <laughs> there you go. So you'll find the link in the show notes. So connect with Adriana. Thank you again for joining me. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. This was really fun, Garrett. It was great. My name is Garrett Sussman of iPull Rank for the Rankable Podcast. We will catch you next week. See you later. Uh-huh.